Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. TCU 17, Texas 10. It is not every day that the Frogs can go down and uh, line up against 100,000 people on national television with game day ranked, especially in the top four, and get a win over a ranked Texas. But hey, it happened. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, Jeremy, we're about to do a deep dive into what happened down in Austin, uh, but just give me your one-paragraph one guttural reaction to what you observed from the press box at Darrell K. Royal Stadium as the Frogs destroyed and upset the Texas Longhorns. Yeah, it's crazy. It was an upset, right? Man. Yeah, it was crazy that it was an upset. I uh, there's a there's a lot of crow being eaten online and on sports media this uh, this morning, but yeah, it was an upset. I can't believe it. Yeah, I started on my crow last night immediately after the game, maybe even midway through the fourth quarter. Um just because it was such a crazy game and I, I you know, a lot of people thought TCU could could go down there and win, especially the TCU fans, but I don't think anyone could have predicted it to to turn out the way it did, especially with that defensive effort. I'll just say it right now. That was the best defensive performance I've seen the Frogs have since the Peach Bowl. I mean, I I can't really find another comparison where they just went out and completely dominated an an opponent like they did last night in Texas in front of a, a big crowd, a huge atmosphere. They were hopping this game up so much in Austin this week. This was not just a, oh, Texas just kind of laid down and let TCU be. No, this this was a game where TCU went down there, played in front of an electric atmosphere, played against a pretty good team. I don't care what people say about Texas. They're 6-4. and four. Anyone that watched them last night can give them credit, especially on defense where they fly to, around to the ball. But, man, what a great win. What a great atmosphere. Um, and, and what a great way to just spoil – all the Texas Longhorns Saturday night. Well, let me take you inside of a number and tell me tell me what your observations were. 104,203, second largest crowd in um, Daryl Royal Stadium uh, history. Over 104,000 people there. And the only game that I think had more fans was was earlier this season by just a few as they uh, against Alabama. So you've got a huge crowd. You've got a night game. And for people that listen to our show and what they love, they had, I think they had every member of the 2023 class there, including Arch Manning. So what, what was the environment like? You know, you, you know, you got there early. You're, you're, you're taking pictures from your, from your afternoon office. What was the environment like inside of Daryl Royal Stadium from the sidelines to the stands to the band all the way right up until kickoff? Well, I'll just tell you, I got to the stadium about 3.30 because I kind of felt like it's going to be packed. Jamie Plunkett texted me and said, man, it's already a madhouse down there. And they were getting there at the stadium. Him and Estridge, I think, got there around 3. But I pulled in about 3.30, and there was just people everywhere. A ton, a ton of burnt oranges, you would expect. But a ton of purple, too. The TCU fans did a really, really good job of getting down there and getting into the stadium. They weren't. Unless they were above me, I really couldn't see on the visitor side or anything, but they might have been above me on the home side. But they were all throughout the stadium, TCU fans were. They did a great job of showing up. And you can hear them them chanting TCU several times during the game. So props to them. But I I think the overall atmosphere, there was a buzz about it, man. I'll be honest. It was – I've been to – I think this is my fourth game now um, covering a TCU game at Texas. And I'll just tell you that was – 
by far the most electric atmosphere. They were building it up. Obviously, like you said, Jeff, they had a ton of their 2023 uh, recruiting class uh, in attendance. They had a lot of their top 2023 targets in attendance. And what's funny is some of those top targets are also TCU's top targets. So what a great way for uh, TCU to go down there and just spoil what Texas was trying to do. So basically, they they put on all, they they laid out the full spread and rolled out the red carpets for guys that are going to end up in Fort Worth. You know, I really think so. I mean, I mean, guys <laughs> like Arch Manning, and you know, I mean, he's not going to. I wouldn't say he's going to flip from Texas or anything. I think he's pretty rock solid. Especially, you know, if if you listen to any Texas fan, they've got the worst quarterback in in college football right now. So he probably sees an ample opportunity to go in there, even though he wants to redshirt his freshman year. Uh, taking over the reins as a redshirt freshman early on and, and having a long career as a starter. But uh, as far as the, um, the the game itself, the the football just impacted the atmosphere even more. Uh, it was really exciting. I mean, what a great defensive battle for both teams. I think you know, people are going to complain about the offense. Uh, you know, for TCU, they, they were getting blocked pretty good or getting manhandled pretty good up front. Max wasn't making really great decisions, holding on to the ball, whatever. Quinn Ewers was overthrowing some guys or some guys dropped some passes. But I think just the two defensive teams that we saw on Saturday night was just really good. It was like it's like watching a heavyweight boxing match. They were just throwing haymakers at each other and seeing which one was going to be able to withstand that. But I, I would say as far as just the aesthetics and everything, it was, it was really cool. Can't beat the uh, – parachute guys landing in on the stadium uh, to start the game you knew chris del Conte was going to do something big to try to get the get the fans fired up even more but i i would i would give it a a plus as far as atmosphere goes and usually texas gets a knock for being the country club atmosphere or the golf clappers but they were pretty loud <laughs> and I, I would say you know toward the end we went down on the field with about five minutes left and i was standing right there by bevo and uh, kind of got a field level view of when Max and Kendra had the mishandled uh, handoff. Ooh. I guess it was mishandled. I don't know. I haven't gone back and watched, but all I know is I see a Texas defensive back, and I want to say it was Jaude Barron, if I'm not mistaken, and kind of a little salt on the wound there because he was a one-time commitment to TCU before anyone knew about him. And, uh, that that re- fumble return makes the game close, but it was pretty loud. There was a lot of people that had already left, um, but it was pretty loud when that moment happened. Yeah, yeah. There was that was. We'll get to that moment in in just a little bit. You know, I did, I, I did get a text from a friend of mine as he and I were watching the game across the country, and he said, "Why did they stick the TCU band in Round Rock?" <laughs> <laughs> they always do that. They all, I know, they always do that. I don't know why everybody laughs at it because it's it's just what they do. I mean, we put Oklahoma State's band in uh, Riverside. You know, I mean, like I, it's it's up it's up it's way up two eighty seven, far up there into Northwest uh, Tarrant County. So that that just kind of comes with the territory. So, yeah. all right, I want to walk you through a few numbers, and this is these are just kind of some numbers that I look at as turning points in the game, and they're just going to give you ample opportunity to weigh in because I think these are it's it's not just the the moments where the game hinged or numbers that told the story of the game, but I think it's something that I th- uh, that that is going to help guide our conversation tonight so let's start with this 75 yards 
75-yard touchdown run by uh, Kendra Miller, first touchdown of the game. What was your take about why it took TCU so long to get the ball going? What do, what was it about that run that maybe they had uh, done to set up in order to make it happen? And how did you experience that inside of the stadium? Well, uh, you know, again, give credit to TCU for not panicking and get, getting away from what they want to do, and that's run the football. And the one thing that all of us could see from watching the game, whether you're watching in person or watching on TV is Texas is extremely fast side to side. Those lateral passes, those quick snap routes they were throwing, they were eating that alive. They were eating those alive. I don't think they, I think the longest gain they had on those plays of the night was two yards for Tay Barber. Um, But you had to go North and South against teams like that, that are just so fast side to side. So uh, props to Riley for staying with that. Props to the offensive line. And this, again, I know a lot of us have talked about it on the board, and all of us have the same opinions and, and all see the same things. There's just a point in each game this year where this, the, the second half, you start to see that offensive line kind of start to take over, um, whether it's just them being in shape physically, them being uh, in better health, um, because of the nutrition or the the way they lift this year because of Coach Cause. And, and I think that has a lot to do with it. But Kendra Miller, it was hilarious because you see him just take off. And as soon as you see him hit that corner, there was not a Texas defensive back that was going to catch him. Kendra Miller is so much faster than people think he is. It's it's hilarious. <laughs> and, and hopefully on a national stage like that, you get to see, uh, you know, get, hopefully people start to recognize him as one of the top running backs in the country now a little bit more, but it was funny because Brian Eshridge wasn't, he was, oh gosh, where it was me and, and uh, Jamie and Dean Straka and, and Mac and Steven Johnson, we're all sitting pretty close together. And uh, you can literally hear <laughs> Eshridge basically through two glasses screaming as he's going down the sideline, we all turned around and Eshridge is just beat red in the face. Cause he's screaming so loud and, uh, it was just an awesome moment to see Kendra do that. And, well, man, I'll, I'll tell you right now, everyone talks about Bijan Robinson, and rightfully so. He is a very good running back. He's a first-round choice. But I, on a night where you had the stage set, I got to say, man, Kendra Miller stood him up. I mean, he was way better than Bijan last night. And props to, props to D, uh, TCU's defense for making Bijan look human. Kendra Miller, 75-yard touchdown run, picked up several key first downs. But I think my favorite play of the game, obviously, besides from the 75-yard touchdown run, I think they had a wellness check that my neighbors called in on me. They heard me screaming so loud when that happened. The third down screen, was that third and 18 and yeah. he picked up 19 or third and 16 he picked up? That play was a miracle. I cannot believe that, one, he was able to catch that ball. It was a poor throw from Max, and I thought he was stuck several times. What an amazing play. Man, he did the same exact thing. I want to say it was against Kansas State where they had a long third and 16 or third and 17, and he picks up 18. It was almost identical to the, to the play. Um, that he had a few weeks ago and he everyone talks about max and someone made a great point on the board today and sorry i can't remember who you were but kendra miller's the most valuable player on this offense i really think so 
Max is, and I love Max. Max is having a phenomenal year. No one can take that away. But I think the fact that he's having such a phenomenal year to where he's playing so much better than what he has in the past, I think that's what's making his story kind of unique. But if you just look at who the top player on this team, who who brings more to this team uh, in, in big moments, I think you got to look at Kendra and say, that's the best player TCU has. There's times that, like you mentioned, Jeff, that that 18-yard screen, that is a man making a play. That is a grown, you know what, man making a big-time college football play. That's a grown-ass man. Yeah. But he, you know, there's just, there's just times where you think TCU's down and out, and here you go, give the ball to Kendra Miller, and he makes something happen. And – I'm telling you right now, we asked him, Stephen Johnson with Star-Telegram asked him yesterday who if he felt like he was the best running back in the Big 12, and he said yes. And I have to say, I agree with him. Now, I know Bijan Robinson's going to get all the get all the publicity and the hype and everything else. And like I said, Bijan Robinson is a really damn good running back um, and, and, and still has a great case to, to be considered the number one running back in the nation. But if Kendra Miller's not a top three running back in the nation – I'm going crazy because I, I I just don't understand how you have a guy that's making those type of plays for the number four team in the nation, uh, undefeated team, and people don't consider him uh, more of a uh, versatile player. Just the fact that he runs the ball so well, catches the ball so well, and he's got, I want to say, six or seven 100-yard games this year now, and he's rushed for over 1,200 yards, and we haven't seen that around TCU in quite a while. You mentioned Steven Johnson from the Sport Wars Star Telegram. Aren't you, I bet he's glad he's not covering a 5-5 five and five Memphis team. He moves from Memphis covering the Tigers to Fort Worth to cover the the Horn Frogs and and they're 10 and 0. I mean, yeah. I, I just I, that's going to give a shot. I followed him and I've, I've read his articles here. I think he's a really good reporter and I think he's done a good job covering the team for the Star Telegram. I like Drew a lot. I, I miss Carlos, but uh, I th- I really like Steven there as well. I think he's doing a good job. Just wanted to get that in there cuz we we need all the quality coverage we can get of this program um, Absolutely. all right let me give you another stat 199 that is the total yards that the horn frogs gave up against texas underneath that a subset of 199 total yards is 171 yards through the air from quinn ewers who was 17 of 39 well let's just start with that and then we'll get we'll get to Bijan. I mean, I, I am not in the habit of piling on a kid that should literally just be a true freshman. And I think that expectations that teams set in order to make um, just, you know, make some kid the the savior his freshman year are unfounded. That said, I mean, the, the hype machine on Quinn Ewers has been through the roof since the day he left South Lake Carroll as a junior to go to Ohio State. I... He is yet to live up to the hype, and the hype is not fair. But I guess I just want to ask you this. What is wrong? What is wrong with What Quinn? is wrong with Quinn Ewers? Did he have a bad game? <laughs> well, yeah, he's, he... he's had those kind of games. And here, here's the thing, and, and, and I'll say this about Quinn. I think a lot of um, – I, I think he's going to be really good. And like you said, Jeff, he's he's – Basically, a true freshman right now. Since and let me add, he didn't ask for any of that. I'm not. I'm not saying he went out and decided to make himself 
Um, he made himself a five star through effort and talent. I, right. He was not asking for all of this hype. I want to be really fair well, about that. Well, I think I think some of it just just followed him a little bit. And I think when you when you leave a when you leave your high school early and go to a program where even though he's saying it's not the NIL or it's not the money, people know it's about the money. And and I think that's that's where a lot of this bad hype was coming from. But you know, from a from a recruit perspective, I'll be honest, man, he is he was incredible in high school. I mean, anyone that watched South Lake Carroll, especially when he was a sophomore, he just had it, man. I mean, he he could throw the ball anywhere he wanted to. He can run. That's what's I posted on the board today. I'm surprised that Texas doesn't have any more run packages for him because he's not slow by any means. He's he you know obviously he's gonna look slower when he's running against college players, but he was a solid four six four seven kid in high school, so uh, he can run the ball a little bit. But I think the fact that he left school early, you you get all this just bad mojo around him. And I'll tell you right now, there's throws as a high schooler that I went to the Elite Eleven and some other showcase camps that I saw him make and. I've never seen other quarterbacks make those throws. I mean, it's just it's just different. Those corner routes that he can throw, where most quarterbacks are having to put a ton of air under him, he's throwing them on a the line. I mean, he just he just knows how to get the ball out. He's got a great release. But I think it's just the classic Texas feeling like they have to play these hot shot five star quarterbacks or these hot shot young quarterbacks, and I don't think he's ready. I mean, you're talking about a guy that did not play. Uh, he he got injured his junior year, did not play his senior year because he was up at Ohio State, essentially sitting the bench as a fourth or fifth string quarterback and and not getting reps except on the scout team. Then he comes down and all of a sudden he's named a starter at, let's let's be honest, at a, one of the blue blood programs in the nation. It's a brand school. Everyone knows Texas. And <laughs> let's talk about it for a second. When we watch Texas play Alabama – we all were singing his praises. We were all like, not only was it Texas fans talking about how good Quinn Ewers was, there was a, a, a lot of people around the nation just talking about how good he was. In fact, when he got hurt, what did we hear? Jeff, go ahead and say it. What did we hear when Quinn Ewers got hurt? If Quinn hadn't gotten hurt, we would have beat Bama. Exactly. And that wasn't only the – I mean, there was, there was a lot of different fan bases saying the same thing about Quinn Ewers because I'll admit it, I thought – Holy cow, this guy's gonna he is going to pick apart a lot of teams this year. And and he did it to Oklahoma. Yeah. Or, or he, he he put on a display in Red River. And I know Oklahoma is having a bad year, but he, he looked amazing in that game. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like he he has shown some amazing moments and I and I don't know if he has some sort of lingering injury or or whatnot, but I, I will say this. Against Oklahoma State, he did not do well at all. He saw a lot of different things. But against Kansas State, he wasn't all that bad. Texas was able to move the football. Of course, Bijan uh, was the reason for a lot of that success. But when, you, when you're when you a true freshman quarterback and you go on the road and play Kansas State and get a win, you're going to get some respect. But what I think Gillespie did was he, only, he not only threw a lot of different blitzes at him, but he was – doing really good in, in coverage schemes. And I think the TCU corners did a really, really good job. And not just the corners, but the whole secondary in general did a really good job of 
playing man on man. I mean, they didn't have blown coverages. They they gave up a few plays. They got lucky on that Jatavian Sanders drop over the middle because that, let's face it, that would have been a huge play uh, if he catches that ball. But overall, I think Quinn. People got to remember, man. He's he's 19 years old. He's basically, as we've said a million times, he's he's a true freshman, and you're playing you're playing at that level in that kind of atmosphere. You're not gonna be cold as ice. I'm sorry. There's just not there's just not a lot of players that are, that are gonna be like that. And I think the way TCU is playing defensively, and that's what just ticks me off about this whole deal is everyone's singing Texas's defense's praises. Oh, the offense wasted a great opportunity by this outstanding performance from the defense. Let's give TCU credit on defense, man. I mean, come Let's on. Let's give TCU some credit on defense. I mean, I, I am in awe of Gillespie. We've been in awe of second-half adjustments. We've been in awe of the way that he runs a different variation of the 3 3 Let's let's give credit where credit is due. Sonny Dykes went out and hired a guy he had no relationship with that gave him a massive headache every year with less talent and better scheme. Well, if we're going to sing the praise of the defense, I think it's got to start at the top. Yeah, I think Gillespie is should be a finalist for the Broyles Award this year for the best assistant coach in the country. It's I like Garrett Riley, but it's not Garrett Riley. It's Gillespie, especially what he did on Saturday night in Austin, shutting down Quinn Ewers, and we'll get to it in a second, but shutting down Bijan Robinson. Did Did you get a chance to talk? Did Did you get a chance to interview Gillespie at all um, post game? Did he no. have any conversation? No, I and I wanted and I wanted to I you know I wanted to tell Mark hey can we talk to Gillespie because I would have loved to have talked to him because I think you know, I think he really deserved to be up there on the on the podium talking talking to us but you know he's the kind of guy that he's he's not going to take a lot of credit for that he's gonna he's gonna give all the credit to his players and uh, you know he's just a really salt of the earth west texan jeff he's he's just a really good dude and i'm just a ball coach man yeah <laughs> i and a I, PE teacher i i know those guys love him those guys love playing for him but i'm telling you man he did call a hell of a game and i would have loved to have seen the three on the scoreboard at the end of the game because i hate i hate it when people say tcu allowed 10 points they didn't allow 10 points. They allowed three points, and then Texas was able to score seven points off a mistake by the offense. So you're talking about defensive effort, 199 yards, three points. What, 29? What was it on the ground? 28 yards on the ground. 20, all right, yeah, that's what it is. I got yeah. 28 yards on the ground, and Bijan Robinson at 12 carries for 29 yards. If they'd have just given him the ball twenty times, you know he might have had forty yards. <laughs> That's the argument that Texas 40. fans were, were were having this morning. Is like they didn't feed Bijan or, or Roshan enough because I think collectively they weren't going anywhere. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. The collectively they yeah. had seventeen carries, but where the hell were they supposed to go? Yeah, where, they had where were nowhere they supposed to, to go? go? They had, and that's the thing that that people got to understand too. TCU did such a great job. Of doing something that no other team in the on their schedule uh, that Texas has played this year has been able to do, and that is completely shut down the run game and focus everything onto Quinn Ewers' shoulders. They completely shut down the best running back in the nation. They shut down 
Sonny Dykes feels like Roshan Johnson is an NFL running back. He said they might be the best two running backs in the nation, period. So you're talking about two of the best running backs in the nation, at least two of the top ten running backs, let's just be fair. And they held they 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 held him to almost nothing. Bijan Robinson's longest gain of the night was nine yards. Nine yards. If you would have told me TCU was going to hold Bijan Robinson to 29 yards with his longest carry being nine yards, I would have said, you're out of your mind. There's zero chance they're going to do that. I've seen guys from Tarleton get runs of 20 yards. I've seen guys from Texas Tech get all kinds of crazy yards because TCU can't tackle. But what you had last night is a perfect scheme. They had nowhere to run. You had guys flying to the football, hats on the ball, and – I'm telling you right now, those dang linebackers played the best game they've played. Johnny Hodges. Johnny has, Hodges, all the, praise to <laughs> yes. mid, midshipman transfer Johnny Hodges. That guy is, is a bad dude. Let me tell you that something. That guy is a bad dude. That kid, that kid right there has taken a lot of hell from even his own fan base about some of the plays. But that kid played out of his mind last night. Shad Banks played out of his mind. Jamoy Hodge played out of his mind. When you when you could sit there and watch a first half defense and you don't say one thing about man, this defense really misses D winners right now. You know your linebackers are going out there and doing their job and and really just kicking some butt because I'm telling you those three, especially Hodges, were really really good last night. All right, if you don't know the answer to this, you, you can just tell me. They kept talking about Hodges as a grad transfer. I, my, my few friends that went to military academies, they don't really have grad transfers. Yeah. You can, you, after two years, you, you can opt out, for a lack of a better term. You can transfer because once you get to your fifth semester, like you're in, and you're in towards whatever graduation from West Point or Annapolis leads you to in terms of, you know, your long-term commitment to the military. Yeah. I, 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 I searched on his bio in, in TCU site and Navy site. He played two seasons at, yeah, at Navy. Navy, so he's got right. a few more years here. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, he's not a senior. And I don't think he's a grad transfer either. I've never heard of him being a grad transfer. I didn't either, but they said it multiple times. I heard it multiple times last night. I'm like, I don't think that – you can't be a grad transfer. You and I are so old. We remember when David Robinson had to uh, go serve two years in the Navy before he could come play for the Spurs. I mean, they've got a pretty clear way that things work there. I know it's changed a little bit since then, but that's good. I think think that means he can play here for two more seasons. Yeah, and I'm he's, all for that. He's definitely got another year after this year. Um, and what's funny? Did you did you hear his post game interview that I posted? I did not. I, I don't read anything you write. So oh, I sorry. Know. Well, I didn't. I didn't write it. I posted. You, it's it's actually you're doing Johnny a disfavor by not looking. I'm, I'm going to go watch it. Yeah, hey, I so, work on Sundays. I wanted to throw that back in okay, there. I can't. Okay. I can't got, consume it. Yeah, you got. And I've been bumping tweets all afternoon from people that were talking trash all week about how Texas was going to. Uh, that the the spread was too small, so I had wow. to I had to go talk some trash online. Well, Johnny said that his his biggest chip is just people not thinking he was going to do anything. And when he left when he left Navy, he sent his uh, he, he sent emails to sixty P five schools, and TCU and Northwestern were the only two that responded. Northwestern told him he wasn't good enough, so. And now he's out there on a Saturday night in front of 104,000 people 
lighten it up for the number four team in the country with a defense that kept Texas to 199 yards and gave Bijan Robinson his lowest night of production um, in his history as wearing the uniform for the Longhorns. Did I get that right? Yeah. And that is the first time since 1997 that Texas has been shut out in the first half at home. Since 97? When they lost. And I you're love, you're and going I love, back and, before Mac. Oh, yeah. This was, uh, I want to say this was David McWilliams. I thought so it was this, Makovic. Oh, yeah. It was John Makovic. Yeah. Yes, it was John Makovic. So, yeah, they. Uh, John they, Malkovich? Yeah. Okay. Of, mice, of mice and men. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> they lost 66 to 3 that game. That was the UCLA, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I actually yeah. remember that game. <laughs> so I remember I remember years ago when uh I worked with rivals, Orange Bloods had invited me on to answer some questions and Texas fans were giving me all kinds of heck for even thinking TCU might have a chance to win that game. And that's the game uh that was the year I think Andy was a redshirt freshman and they were up ten nothing at halftime, if you remember that. Tory Stewart. Yes, and, I do. I remember yeah. that. The o- okay. that was 07. It was Andy yeah. Redshirt freshman year. So that that year they had they had, had me answer some questions on the Texas message board, Orange Bloods. And Jeff Ketchum, I think, had asked me if I thought TCU had a chance. I was like, Yeah, I think they have a chance and this and that. And anyhow, they started talking smack to me immediately. And then finally, I got tired of it, and they said, so you're so smart. What do you think TCU's going to win by? And I said, 66-3. to three. And you would have thought that I just killed all their family and everything else because, boy, they started attacking me left and right when I brought up the 66-3 to three score. You, they went, you went all John Wick on them. I, yeah. I approve. Yep. Yeah, I approve. All right, last guy I want to talk about on defense, Trey Hodges Tomlinson. The guy had a killer night. Not only pick a pass off, I thought he had great night in, in coverage, especially down the field. And I thought that he was, uh, in some ways, a symbol of how well they were tackling in the open field. I'm sure I'm missing one of his misses. But I thought this was Trey Hodges Tomlinson's best game of the night. I know that yours didn't throw well, but maybe that had something to do with, with Hodges Tomlinson. What was your observation of what you saw from Trey? I think it was his best game of the season, too. I mean, he did a great job of reading yours he did a great job of not letting the receivers get any separation he was physical did a great job tackling he got one he got one pass interference call on him which i think was probably a pretty good call but overall i think when the game was set up in such a big stage i think he got on that stage and let everyone remember that hey i'm one of the top corners in the big 12 and I should be one of the top corners in the nation. And I think that's what TCU fans have kind of been waiting to see the whole, the whole season is, Hey man, stop reading the press clipping, stop reading about how good you are and and really go out there and show us. And I think really that was a game that he went out there and showed everyone, Hey, I'm still, I'm still one of the best. Don't come at me. Yeah. I, I, he's got some friendly trash talk that I always appreciate. So I, I just love Trey's heart and, and I, and I thought he had a really great game in coverage. All right. I want to go through a couple more things here. Uh, there's, there's one twenty left in the half. Texas gets the ball back. They, 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 they drive out to midfield and I just feel like 
that was a symbol of what they were how they were not trying to they were making sure that they didn't lose they were not trying to win and i I thought sark tightened up i thought they kind of petered up there and and petered out there and did not make the most of that opportunity i thought texas was driving and instead they just ended up driving uh draining the clock and and going to the locker room with uh, losing three to nothing just like we all predicted what what was the what was the reaction of the fan base or the people in the press box as Sark decided to kind of mail it in there with with a minute twenty left in the half? The fans weren't happy. They were booing. They were booing. I I don't remember what the press box reaction was other than they were probably doing the right thing because at that point I don't think they were doing anything right against TCU's defense. Um, but he definitely heard it from the fan base. I can assure you of that. Yeah, I was really, really surprised by that. You only get so many opportunities, especially in a game like that, and I feel like they kind of wasted it away. All right, let me let me walk you through a couple more things here, and then I want to give a celebration to a couple of guys here. Fourth and 17 with 5.15 to go in the game. That was the moment that I thought, oh, my gosh, they're actually going to win this game. Fourth and 17, flies through the end zone, into double, you know, Quinn throws it into double coverage. Frogs get the ball back. Did you agree with that play call? And what what do you remember in the events that led up to that? Because I think this is a moment where the TCU defense went beyond, hey, we bend but don't break, but said, you are not going to get anything against us. Fourth and 17 with 5.15 to go. Quinn Ewers floats it out the back of the end zone. In my heart, I thought, we're going to win this. TCU is going to win this game. But I also thought Sark did not handle that, that, that final eight or nine minutes of the game very well that allowed, uh, other than the fumble recovery, that I, I don't think he handled that very well in terms of putting Texas in a position to win. Well, honestly, I didn't see that play. <laughs> we were trying to walk down from the press box through the droves of Texas people to get to the field. So I didn't actually see the fourth and 17 play. And I haven't gone back and rewatched the game today. So I can't give you much analysis on that play, Jeff. Um, was he throwing it to Jatavian Sanders? Yes, he was. Okay. Well, that's the thing. Like That kid was so lost. And someone posted a picture of him talking on the phone. And it immediately reminded me of the Bo Wallace from Ole Miss and the Peach Bowl. Like how yes. TCU had just completely just rattled the hell out of a quarterback, but he completely forgot all of his other receivers about midway through the second quarter, maybe third, maybe third quarter. And he was going to Sanders. And I think they picked TCU picked up on that. They were like, he's going to zero. There's no doubt. He's going to zero. Just cover that guy. But if they, if they had it locked down, then smart move by them because everyone in the stadium knew he was throwing to Sanders. I didn't even see the play, and I'm just—I was just assuming, and sure enough, he was throwing to Sanders. Yeah, he was throwing to Sanders, and uh, I didn't think—I—I I, I didn't think Sark had handled things well up to that point. Even though, and I think I agree with you, Quinn Ewers. He got to where he he was locked in and knew where he wanted to throw it, and you can begin to scheme and prepare around that. And he does just doesn't have the experience to learn to adjust or to think on his feet. So, do you have on your notes the wheel route? Where Bijan Robinson was wide open and he didn't throw it. Do you know how? Okay, so 
Yes. I don't know. I had it in my notes. Let's go there. Okay. So I don't know how the TV showed this. Okay. But that wasn't Quinn's fault. Bijan was wide open because Kamara had fallen. But unfortunately, the timing of that fall couldn't have came at a better time for TCU because Quinn was already in motion to throw it to the other receiver. So Kamara, if I mean, if he, if he, if, if Quinn would have held on to the ball half a second later, it's a touchdown. But he was already in the motion of throwing to that other receiver at the same time Kamara was falling down. And that's why on the TV screen you looked up and Bijan Robinson's just wide open, just standing alone. And they tried to go back to it, but they had they had covered it covered it up that time. But it takes to be good. Sometimes you have to be good and you have to be lucky. And that's one of the plays where TCU got a little bit of luck right there. Yes, you have to be good and you have to be lucky. Yeah, I had that down as you know basically a missed opportunity um, for Texas, but. What, what the irony of it was is in real time, you know, just watching the game live on my on my screen, he Robinson wasn't even in the play. Like, I couldn't see it. All I heard was Herb Street like, oh, my goodness, he was wide open. And then they, they, they pulled back the camera, and you're like, oh, my gosh. I did not see it. They kept showing it in slow motion, so I couldn't quite sync up the – you know, the, the timing that you're talking about in terms yeah. of it, that he threw it half a second too early. And sometimes when you go on slow motion, you're like, throw it now. And it's, you know, an eighth of a second that you're trying to make that decision. So, well, I'll tell you this Kamara did have good coverage on Bijan. He just got tangled up with him and fell. So, I mean, it would have, that's, that's the whole reason why. Now, since people are dogpiling on, on yours today, yours just missed a wide open Bijan. That it was all his fault. But I will say this, Kamara had really good coverage on Bijan. You don't think they're going to cover cover a wheel route? I mean, come on. The wheel route is <laughs> it's their arch nemesis. They're going to cover that thing. Uh, they're, and they're not going to use a defensive end to try to cover it either. So they're going to actually use someone that can run. But that's the <laughs> thing that happened. They're not going to put a defensive end on it. Yeah. That's the thing that happened. He was already locked in, going – he was – making the throw to the other guy by the time Kamara had fallen down. And then, I don't know, I haven't listened back, but even my wife said that Herb Street was just all over Texas. Like, he was basically wearing burnt orange. Like, he, like everyone was talking about how much he was rooting for Texas in this game. Well, the only time that he finally started to say, hey, this is the number four team in the country. They have a straight shot to the playoff was about the 90 seconds before the fumble scoop and score. <laughs> Those are yeah, the two so things he, I had down in my him. notes. Yeah, he did. He jinxed him. He did. And and Fowler had said Griffin Kell hadn't missed a field goal all season and made a deal of that. And then Griffin Kell goes out and misses the field. And I know I, I know they got – it looked like to me they got a piece of the ball. But yeah, that's they what everyone's saying. In real yeah, time, it looked you like can't, he got a big yeah. finger on the ball. Yeah, in real time, you don't, you don't see that. You just see the miss. Um, and we didn't have TVs really close by where you can actually see where it, it gets blocked. Um, but they, you know, even Sonny Docks was, I mean, he, after, in the post game, he was like, I, I don't, I don't know how that thing got blocked, but it did. I guess it got a little finger on it and just changed the trajectory of it. But yeah, cause Griffin's usually pretty solid within that range. And, but that's the crazy thing too. I don't know if you had this down in your notes. This is how. The chess was being played. 
they didn't even they they punted at the Texas thirty six, and that's something you never would have seen this year from from uh, TCU. They didn't even let Griffin come out there and attempt a field goal. They they went ahead and punted no. at the Texas thirty six because it was such a back and forth defensive effort. Yeah, and if they miss it, they just get the ball at the thirty six. Yeah. 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 Speaking of things that they missed, did you see the hold that Jared Wiley had that I, I think it sprung Max on a oh, yeah. sweep to the right? That that was the biggest missed call of the night. There's just some, you know, you got to be good and you got to be lucky. And on that one, we were so, so lucky. Jared knew it was a hold. The guy he was holding knew it was a hold. Sonny Dykes knew it was a hold. But that, for, I don't know if you could see it from your angle. What did you see oh, on yeah. that uh, hold? Oh, I saw it. I saw it easy. And I even said in the press box, they just got away with one. And it made it worse when Max is running for a first down. And yeah, I don't know. We didn't get much home cooking last night (laughs) at all from those (laughs) refs. I mean, that was. Would all those refs be from like, you know, Stillwater, Lawrence, Ames, uh, Lubbock? You know, I started thinking. I started thinking to my head, man, are these are these refs really going to try to help TCU yeah. <laughs> stay in the playoff hunt? Is this what we're seeing? Is little TCU getting these kind of calls because of this? I no, love just, Brett Yormark. I, I just want to go on the record right now. <laughs> He's all I'm, about marketing the yeah, brand. Yeah, we're getting, TCU's getting all the calls from here on out. Damn no, but right. seriously, I you know I, I do think I do think it was kind of. It was kind of funny that Texas had more penalties than TCU had, and obviously they missed some things on both sides. But yeah, I, I definitely did notice that Jared Wiley hold, and uh, I noticed Max running free for the first time all night on that play. And then, you know what? What was what was kind of cool though? Later on in the game in the fourth quarter, they did that same play, and he still got some yards and mm. got pounded out of the sideline and went about eight yards into the Texas bench. Uh, and that was I, I saw that like extremely close. Anyone sitting on the home side saw that, but you know they they just let them play football. They just let them play football. All right, last moment of the last pivotal moment. Third and four with three thirty nine left in the game. They put the ball in the air and they go straight to Quinn Ewers. I I love that play call. Just just put the ball in in the hands of your of your best wide receiver. I think we've already said Kendra Miller is your best player. But Max put the ball in his hands, comes up, throws the ball straight to Quentin, uh, Quentin Johnson on a quick slant. That was stones. That's all I got to say. That play yeah. was stones. I, 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 I'm, I can't think I'm the only one that went nuts when they did that. And part of my heart rate exploded as soon as I saw Max come up to throw the ball. <laughs> well, you knew Texas was going to be selling out to stop the run and we asked Max about that because earlier in the game or in the fir- fourth quarter, I think uh, on the previous drive, Quentin had dropped a pass. That was he. he keeps, oh, hit him right in the hands, and he turned up too soon. Well, yes. hit him right in the chest because he doesn't use his stinking hands sometimes. That's the yeah. one knock on him. He's got to get he's got to get away from being this body catcher sometimes. But uh, and I understand sometimes you got to adjust differently to catch the ball when you feel like a defender's on you and. He even said after in the post game last night when he scored that long, wide open touchdown, he jumped for no reason. He 
he was so wide open, he thought someone was behind him, and that's why he jumped to try to shield the ball away from the defender. But I, I thought that play where he got the first down was – it was extremely, extremely <laughs> ballsy um, because if you don't catch it there, then obviously you stop the clock. But you've got to give that guy a chance. And, and we asked Max about it after the game. Hey, was there any second thoughts? And he said, no, absolutely not. I knew where I was throwing before anyone else in the stadium knew where I was going. I knew no matter what I was throwing to Quentin. And he came up big. And that's 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 another thing with this team, man. When they have to have clutch moments, they, they come up with it. And us college football fans, and I was talking to someone about this who's a, a big Oklahoma fan. You know, everyone that's not an Oklahoma fan calls, calls it luck. They always get lucky at the right time. They always – come up with these lucky plays and what Oklahoma fans call it. They call it, they go ahead. Do you know it? Luck is when hard work and opportunity collide. No, I'm talking about the phrase they use. They use that sooner magic. Oh, that's, that's what, right. Okay. Yeah. It's not luck, baby. It's, it's sooner, sooner magic. magic. It's sooner magic. But I'm telling you, that's what this There's team only reminds me of. Yeah. That's what Get this thanks. team, that's what this team reminds me of. It's like, they're just getting these – everything is aligning perfect for them. And it's 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 the craziest thing. But all these years of covering this team, things haven't aligned like this that it's doing right now in 2022. So, yeah, that was a humongous play. I was about 40 yards away from it standing standing in the end zone when they made that play and – the the way they were able to kind of run out the clock and get running yards reminded me a lot of the Rose Bowl too. Just the way that they knew they were running the ball and they still couldn't do anything to stop it in some of those plays. So props to props to the offensive line again. Yeah, you started out slow. You looked extremely bad early on, but third and fourth quarter, that offensive line starts enforcing their will. And they get it done, man. They do get the job done. Hey, Sooner Magic doesn't stand a chance against Hypnotode. No, that's that's the thing. That is the uh, that's the magic for the frogs. Have you seen the new? I, I, it's not a TikTok. I mean, it might be on TikTok. I call it a TikTok video because I'm an old. But have you seen the new TikTok video from the TCU media team? That's just every version of horn that exists in this world turned upside down. And oh yeah. I saw that, that as I was walking back to the parking was, garage. Was there a French night. horn? Was there a French <laughs> horn? Yeah. Elk horn. That was insane. And like, I want to throw up after I watch them cause I'm so dizzy, but like, I always remind myself I am not the target audience, but I, I, del- but- I, 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 I revel in the trash talk. Well, they're, I mean, they're starting to get their own following with that. I mean, it's it's crazy because everyone's anticipating. They're anxiously waiting to see what the video is going to be each time TCU wins. I still give the uh, the top video to the the one they did after Oklahoma State with the old Beverly Hills Cop theme. I still give that one the top one. That's my favorite. I don't know, man. The one after Tech. Everything runs through Lubbock. Yeah, yeah, that was Texas good. Texas Tech. What, what happened? happened? <laughs> that was so bad. I don't even know what why. Happened? It's so stupid and I can't stop watching it. 
<laughs> my son, everything runs through Lubbock. My son heard, you know, he heard me watching this video and he's like, oh, that's so-and-so. Like, everyone knows this kid that does that. What happened? Uh, you know, he's a, he's a famous TikToker. But yeah, yeah, TCU's been, TCU's had him a couple of times on those videos. Well, pay, give him a little more NIL. That's all I got to say. Exactly. Give that kid some more money. Give, some, give that kid some more money. All right, if we're looking uh, across the landscape of the Big 12, the game that really mattered, aside from obviously TCU in Texas, Kansas State went to Waco and just beat the living hell out of Baylor. K-State 31, Baylor 3. This is who the Frogs face next week. Next Saturday morning, 11 a.m., big noon kickoff from the world's largest um, uh, toilet bowl. And down there in, in, at, at McLean Stadium, what, what are we going to see from Baylor? I mean, it's, it's your guess is as good as mine, but more and more is on the line every week. What do you think the Frogs are going to get from Dave Aranda and the Bears? Man, I have no clue. I can't believe that score. I mean, you're talking about a team that was playing some pretty good football the last few weeks. I mean, they had a, a great win up at uh, Texas Tech. They were able to beat Oklahoma. Uh, the way I, you know, I figured they would give you know, Kansas State a, a good game. In fact, I thought Baylor was going to win that game. I Just like I could have never predicted T, Tech, TCU beating Texas 17-10, to 10, I, there's no way I could have predicted Kansas State beating Baylor by that much. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, and I, and I took some flack from some of these Texas fans for uh, Chip had asked me about the quarterback situation and what's it like playing against all the backups. And I said, I I firmly believe Will Howard was better than Adrian Martinez. And oh, I said, yeah. I think I said, and I, and I straight up said, I think Texas got lucky that they didn't have to play against Will Howard. And yes. I still say it to this day. They did. I think if Will Howard plays against Texas, I think Kansas state beats Texas, without yeah, a doubt, and I don't get that to is care what given. you say. Anybody Longhorns. that says, "What's it like playing against the backup?" The only we ha- we played against the backup after Dylan Gabriel got not got knocked out. Yes, that is a fact. Did did, did Jason Beam look like he was uh, a kid that no, didn't know what he was doing all through the Kansas game? Do you think Will Howard looks like a guy that has no clue how to um, square up against a Power Five defense? That is one of the laziest memes and thoughts that exist is that TCU just has, has limped into 10 and being 10 and 0 by playing the backups. It ticks me off And Will Howard. Will Howard's had a better season than Quinn Ewers. How's that? Yeah. And that's the thing too, is they, <laughs> it's just mind boggling to me. I'm sitting there watching that game when they play Texas and I see Will Howard on the sideline and I'm thinking, if I'm Chris Kleiman, how in the world do I bench a guy that just beat the brakes off of Oklahoma State the week before, ties a school record with four touchdown passes, but because you want to save his red shirt, save his red shirt, you're not going to play him against Texas as you're vying for a Big 12 championship. And the funny thing is, he probably wouldn't have played against Baylor if Adrian Martinez wouldn't have got hurt again. And that is just what a humongous mistake. Climbing and his staff made by not playing Howard against Texas because I think it would have been a big difference. But yeah, back to Kansas State and Baylor, I, I did not see that coming. I really don't know what to expect from Baylor. Uh, obviously, they have the role of spoilers. They would love to spoil TCU's chance for a, a you know outright 
Well, no. I mean, they're going to go, they're already going to the Big 12 championship, but man, would it be crazy if Baylor somehow is able to screw up TCU's chances at another college football playoff bid. Oh my gosh. I don't even want to think about that for 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 you guys, for TCU fans. I don't know how y'all would uh I don't know how y'all'd move past it, Jeff, to be honest with you. I but. know, we won't. I'd have to move to a foreign country <laughs> where it would never be spoken of again. Go but I think period. I mean, Baylor runs the ball hard. They're going to have a good defensive line. They've got a good defense. You know, Baylor, you know, I I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if they're going to have a big crowd. Someone mentioned on the board today that they were having to literally give away tickets for people to watch the Kansas State game. I don't think that's going to happen against TCU. You've got the number four team coming into the stadium. They're going to want to sell it out. It's it's Baylor's biggest rival with TCU. So, yeah, it, the game's probably going to be built up just the way it was uh, for Texas and TCU. you got that big noon kickoff coming down there. So it's it's kind of crazy to to know that TCU this year, this is going to be their fourth time on a kickoff show, whether it's big noon kickoff or college game day. And this is their 11th game of the season. So almost half their games, they've been featured on one of those two shows. They were six and three coming off a three game winning streak after beating Oklahoma. How are they having a hard time getting people to the stadium? I, I have no idea. That's what someone was saying on the board. I don't know that for a fact. I take it as gospel if it makes Baylor look in the bad light. So I believe it. I believe it. So, you know, just in closing, man, this is going to put TCU in the big – they already have a lock in the Big 12 title game. Get your tickets now and don't ask me which side of the stadium we're sitting on because no one knows. So I'll be really curious to see uh, who our opponent's going to be. Bottom line is if Kansas State wins out, wins these last two games, they're in. Is that right? Kansas State – wins the next two games, and they are, they are the, the, the opponent for the Frogs in the Big 12 title game. And I, I'm not really excited about going up against Will Howard again. Yeah, I think uh, – I definitely think it's going to be different this time if they have to see Will Howard for the whole time. But, um, yeah, if Kansas State wins out, they're in. That is a yeah. two-loss conference team. And let's be honest, they've got West Virginia and Kansas – I think they have a yeah, great chance. West Virginia just beat uh, Oklahoma. <laughs> That's not saying much. I mean, no, it's not. They wanted to fire okay. Neil Brown, and they finally got their first conf- uh, win over Oklahoma since joining the Big Twelve. Yeah, but it, does that count? Because next week they're probably going to lose to who they got next week. They got Bedlam Saturday night. Who do they have? No, I'm not talking about OU. Oklahoma I'm State plays or Oklahoma plays Oklahoma State. Oh, West Virginia. Uh, let's yeah. see here. I got them scheduled. They still up. have a chance to fire Quality Neil Brown. Episode here. Yeah, West Virginia has Kansas State and then Oklahoma State. Yeah, they're going to fire Neil Brown. Yeah. So. Mm-mm-mm. That's true. It'll mm. be the it'll be the first <sighs> Big Twelve coach to be fired. It but will. Here, here's well, the, Sark. Sark will be the second. As as bad as. OU has played, okay? Is it not a great year for them to be back considering the the biggest teams they recruit against are also crap in the bed this year with Texas and Texas A&M? Yeah, it it it's helpful. 
I'm, I guess I have such purple lenses, man. Maybe this has opened the door for 10% of what normally goes there. Any of those three schools to start to make their way to TCU? You're talking about recruits? Yeah, recruits. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, you know, obviously there's going to be there's going to be more kids that I think start to to listen. Um I I really feel like uh Javon Thomas with A&M is really soft with his commitment. He's going to be visiting in December too. Um but I think guys that that you still have big targets on that aren't committed like Dill and and Harrison Pilot and and Fontenet and C, you know CJ Blocker still committed to Utah but you know I'm hearing that it's just a matter of time before he opens things up but you you have those schools and that's what I mentioned earlier it it, it just kind of funny with Texas having a lot of those recruits down there they had some of those guys at TCU's heavily recruiting too in hopes of trying to show Texas or show these recruits that Texas is the superior place and if you're an offensive recruit, ooh wee, do you do you dare look at that Texas offense? And how do you spin that? How do you spin that? And if you know you're you're looking at a a program right now in TCU that's on the cusp of the college football playoff. I mean they're they are knocking on the door, and they they just need three more wins to open it to, for someone to open it. Three more wins. And they'll and they'll get in. I really I really don't see any other teams with one loss. These Tennessee fans. Oh my gosh! I just don't. I, I can't read. Oh, anything. don't get me started. They, you know the you know the, the the teams that I feel like belong are without a doubt Georgia. Whoever wins the Ohio State Michigan game, they're obviously in. And even if even if Georgia loses somehow, I still think they they deserve to be. But I don't feel like Tennessee deserves to be. Obviously, I don't feel like Alabama deserves to be. Oregon loses. We, I mean, that's that's the thing. And we talked about this uh, as as press members. It's so funny. It's it's again. It's just the the weird thing how the season is is happening for TCU. You had two weeks ago the committee up there talking about TCU having to come back in some of these games and defense not playing real consistent. Defense kind of taking it in the shorts a little bit from the committee. And they go out there on national television in front of a huge audience and shut down, completely shut down one of the top offenses in the in, in the nation with the top running back. Everyone thinks is the top running back in the nation in B. John Robinson. And it's like TCU's just turning around to the committee and holding up a middle finger and saying, now what? What what else do you have for us? What else are you going to make us do to try to convince y'all? But luckily, they had already moved up to number four. If they continue winning, there's no way. After what they've been able to do, there's no way. I just don't see it. I don't care how unreliable the committee is and – I know people always want to think the worst sometimes. We all get caught doing it. I just don't think any, anyone in that committee uh, membership can look themselves in the mirror and, and feel like TCU is not a top-four team. Even Kirk Herbstreit, the diehard TCU antagonist, doesn't ever want to talk good about TCU, was 
talking TCU's a top four team in his mind now. So I really feel win three more games, win Baylor, win Iowa State, probably defeat Kansas State again in the Big 12 championship game, you're in. What do you think, Jeff? You got your tickets ready for the college football playoffs? Oh, brother. We get in the college football playoffs. Only death will keep me away. Um, You want to know my Final Four prediction right now? Go ahead. I want to hear it. Georgia, Michigan. Oh, yeah. In order. Georgia 1, Michigan 2, TCU 3. Are you ready? Oh, yeah, yeah. USC. Got USC at 4. USC at 4. And just in the way teams are built, I think USC is built to beat Georgia, and I think TCU is built to beat Michigan. That would be interesting. We would. And do you can you imagine the Riley on Riley stories if the national title was Oh, the oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> uh, so what if they make it to LA? You going? Well, you know, I I don't have this big job at twenty four seven. Neither like do I. Do, so I, I got, mean, it's not a big job for me. I, mean. <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding. I got to figure out how to ration all of that. But I want to go. I'm going to the Big Twelve title game. I know that. And so once we, if we get in the playoff, then I'll start to make my decisions from Jeff there. Jeff needs ten percent of y'all's paychecks to go to. I'll start a GoFundMe to get yeah. me to the uh, to the, the the national title game. Yeah. I'm sure you could hitch a ride with someone or someone give you some Where's airline miles. Where's the national miles. title game at? SoFi Stadium in L.A. In L.A.? Yeah. Well, at least that's a cheap place. Um, <laughs> yeah, at least it's not $15 for a cheeseburger. Yeah, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. And, and it's a mandatory 40% tip with an 18% sales tax. Yeah. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Hey, we've gone over an hour, and I'm talking about uh, cheeseburgers. Let's give it a stop here. Hey, everybody, want to thank you for listening to this episode of The Frogcast. Give us a rating and review on your podcasting app of choice, and go ahead and subscribe to hornfrogblitz.com, TCU 24-7 Sports. It is the place to be as the frogs are on this historic run. They are 10-0, and trying to go to 11-0 and this week at Baylor. So in honor of our Dear producer Daniel Southern, who to this day still thinks Baylor sucks, Jeremy Clark, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Frogcast.